my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. All right, Marketing School listeners, this is a 20 to 30 minute segment of a full interview I've done with an amazing founder, entrepreneur, creative, visionary. You're going to get a ton of insights from this. And if you want to listen to the entire thing, go search for Leveling Up with Eric Sue. That's the entire podcast that you're going to find. So you get 20 to 30 minutes here. And if you want the whole thing, you can just search for Leveling Up with Eric Sue. And without further ado, enjoy the episode. So Nathan, for those that don't know you, who are you and why should people listen to you? Yeah, so I am a software designer turned content creator turned software founder. So got my start early on in web design, then brought that into designing iOS apps. So I got to design an app for the iPad the day the iPad was released, which was tons of fun. Uh, pulled that into... Um, creating content. So I wrote an ebook about that, did really well, that got me into the creator space. And then eventually started ConvertKit, which is uh, uh, email marketing for creators. And so, yeah, today, I guess for some quick bragging numbers, we send two and a half billion emails every month. So I send more emails than all my friends combined. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, we're about 40 million in revenue, 43 right now, and have a team of 80. And so we run the email list for basically all the biggest creators, uh, especially in the author and podcasting space. So whether that's uh, James Clear or Huberman or Tim Ferriss or Susan Cain, Brian Holiday, all of them use ConvertKit. Yeah, my my podcast co-host uses your your um, uses ConvertKit as well. Yeah, yeah. He's, you, he's been with us for a long time. I yeah. think probably since twenty sixteen, maybe. He's got a good chunk of emails on your oh yeah on your platform. Yeah. Um, so you, last year, twenty twenty three, you guys did forty one or so. Oh, we're at a forty. Or run rate. Run rate. Got yeah. it. Got it. And yeah, this year, what's the goal? Lower. Uh, the goal is to get to 65. Got it. Wow. Okay. I was looking at your um, your annual review. The goal on there was 53. So 65. Why the re revision? Uh, I guess I think about it in two different ways. 53 is the the actual, like probably what we're setting internal targets on. Uh -huh. um, and then 65 is like, there's a couple things that if they hit are Got going it. to like... 
Got um, fifty three is the is the reasonable like yeah. This is what you should set goals and targets around. Sixty five is my Got internal milestone. Got it. Love it. Um, so a couple things. I'm going to jump around here. So we're at a founders retreat right now. You actually flew in, and I think that's fascinating because that's one of the things it seems like you're excited about right now. Um, so tell us a story about how like really I, I'm interested from an entrepreneur standpoint like. What got you into it and what have you learned in life and business as it ties to flying? Yeah, about getting a pilot's license. Um, so I grew up in Idaho and there's a lot of backcountry flying and uh, actually got an opportunity. There's a group called Mission Aviation Fellowship that flies small planes all over the world. So like after the earthquake in Haiti, you know, uh, they're some of the first to get like logistics set up and all of that because it turns out having planes and helicopters is really good for for that. So their world headquarters is in Boise, uh, which is kind of fun because they train on all these backcountry airstrips. And so in usually in 2008, uh, I got to go with them, uh, some friends who are flight instructors there, um, like flying around Lesotho in South Africa, you know, on all these crazy backcountry strips where they like put it on a hillside so they can land mm. uphill in a shorter distance and yeah. then take off downhill in a shorter distance. Um, and so I was just, I've always thought flying is, is super cool. And so uh, yeah, this last year I pulled the trigger on like starting training and, um, don't quite have my license yet. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I've met all the requirements, but there's a wait with the FAA to, to take the test. So hopefully right. another couple of weeks. Got it. Um, what, what does it feel like when you're up in the, the air? Like, does it feel like really meditative? Like, what are you, what's well, going on at, there? At first, you know, you're like running through, you know, systems and checklists. Right. And so it's very, very process driven, which I think is interesting as an entrepreneur, you can end up being either very creative, like, oh, I just work on whatever inspires me and, you know, all of this, or you're like, here are the exact processes. And so I think flying has been interesting of like really refining the systems and processes and checklists so that then you can be like, oh, I want to go anywhere. So I think right when you first, you know, when I go taxi down the runway, and take off and everything, it's like 100% the exact same process every time, the exact checklist. There's usually a moment that hits as you like exit the airport traffic pattern and go flying where you're like, wait a second, I'm 3,000 feet in the air yeah. going 150 miles an hour, yeah. in a, like in a plane by myself. That yeah. flying, like, you feel a little naked almost. Maybe no, naked is not the right word. No, but I think uh, it's just exhilarating. Yeah. Where you're like, wait a second, I can do this. And you're like, it was like, uh, I did it the other day or I guess a month ago. I needed to meet a certain number of solo cross-country flight hours. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I did the flight that I planned. I was like, oh, I need a little more time. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to fly up this way and like follow this river, Yeah, you know, and uh, like flying along the Idaho-Oregon border. And then you're yeah. like, oh, let me go over here. And things that take hours to drive you, like fly that distance in 20 minutes, yeah. you know, and you're like, oh, let me go up and over these mountains. So do you, okay, like you're flying for hours. Like where do you pee? Uh, so the, my <laughs> plane is small. My, uh, for anyone who knows planes, I have a Cirrus. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so you would, you would need to land to go to the bathroom. It's basically the size of a, of a small car. Okay. So it's two seats up front and then yeah. three seats in the back. So you're like peeing before, and then you're flying for like maybe an hour or two, three hours, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. longest flight I've ever done is I did Santa Monica to Boise, mm -hmm. um, which took three and a half hours. Okay. And that's like 650, 700 miles. Okay. Is the goal for you to be able to just fly your family anywhere eventually? Is that the yeah. move? Yeah. Yep. And then, uh, it can also be pretty efficient for work. Yeah. Um, but so part of it's just the love of it. Like, I think it's really important to have a goal outside of work, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, we have our revenue goals and we're trying to, you know, I'm trying to bring this conversion rate from this to that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but what are you doing outside of work? Right. And so I always like having 
um, you know, a physical goal of some kind that I'm working on, whether it's like learning to play volleyball better or something right. like that, um, or like a 5k time and then having something that's like much more intellectual as a pursuit. And so, uh, I think flying will be that for, it for sounds like it brings you, so you really refine your systems and your processes. You're going through checklists, right? Cause you have to, or else you're going to get in trouble. Right. Yeah. And then there's a huge element of focus too. Oh yeah. I like things that you can't think about something else, right? If I'm playing a, vo a volleyball game, I'm not thinking at all about like the customer that we won or lost or whatever, you know, like you're totally in that. And flying is the same thing where you are a hundred percent focused on the activity that you're doing. Um, and I think that's really important Got to it. have those things. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Last bit on this. So, so how much does it cost you? How many hours do you have to put in to get your license? Probably the minimum with the FAA is you need at least 40 hours. Most people don't do it in that. They like 60 to 80 is much more common. Um, I'd budget about 20 grand for some actual numbers with my plane. Uh, I spend about a hundred thousand dollars a year cause it's a million dollar plane. And, uh, so that includes the finance cost, the insurance, like as a low time pilot, the insurance is super expensive, you know, instructors, fuel, everything. Um, is your goal to eventually get like your own Gulfstream and fly it yourself? <laughs> Not that level of plane. Yeah. That's a level, like a jet requires another level of training. Um, I think probably a bigger turboprop. Yeah. Uh, there's some that are like pressurized, can fly to a higher altitude, fly faster. Um, uh, but I do love private aviation. And so, but there's a point where if you get a bigger plane, just hire pilots. Right. You know, yeah. I have a couple of friends who have like a, uh, Citation Mustang or something like that, and maybe have their their license, but they always fly with with a professional pilot. Yeah. Um, At that point, safety. I mean, you're spending like millions a year. So. Yeah, and, and actually, the pilot ends up being a relatively uh, inexpensive part of that yeah. compared to it. Um, the other thing is, people think like, oh, I'm going to go to these business meetings, and then I'm going to go, you know, jump in the plane and fly home. And there's a lot of thought that goes into every cross country flight, and then a lot of focus. And so I noticed this when flying back, we did the podcast tour 
and I had my instructor bring my plane down uh, to LA and we flew out of Santa Monica. Um, and I was thinking about that. Like I was in a meeting, you know, right up until I went to the airport as normal. Like I packed these things totally full. And I was thinking about like, Oh, if I didn't have another pilot with me, like I would need to really stop fully transition into flying and then think about like planning the flight and you're looking at the weather, where are you going to encounter icing, any of those things. And so like, cause it's an entirely different mindset. Context switching is yeah. difficult. Yeah. And it, it just requires like real thought to do that. So I think that probably what, what I'll keep doing is even as I have my license and use, you know, this plan I have now or another plan for work is use a professional pilot as well. Cause that added safety and then, and then also you could do something where you could like roll up to the airport and they could have the plane ready to go yeah. and you could get more of that efficiency. So are you paying that pilot like a day rate or something? How does that work? Yeah. So basically, um, the generally the day rate for a Cirrus is about 800 bucks a day. Okay. That's um, not bad. Yeah. 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 For your sanity and your safety, it's worth oh, yeah. it. Yeah. You, so, and then they can also teach and instruct, right? There's always so much more to learn. Mm-hmm. And so there's everything that I know how to do. Like I will do that, that get us all going. Here's my flight plan. Yeah. And they'll say like, that's awesome. Hey, I would tweak this one thing. You'd be totally safe with what you're doing, Yeah. but here's another level. Yeah. Or like the next thing is getting your instrument rating. And yeah. so, you know, as uh, I can't do instrument approaches now cause I don't yeah. have that rating, Yeah. but they can, and they can say, like, they can start teaching me towards yeah. that next thing. So it combines like the travel of getting somewhere with, you know, learning the next skill. Got it. And how long do you think, how many lessons do you think it took you to pick it up? Like, I think for tennis for me, it took like 20 to like start to like get the rhythm. Like it's a good question. I flew a lot last year. I mean, I also switched from a basic training plane to like, to a high performance, uh, plane that, that took a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I flew a hundred hours last year, so you know, that's 50, 55, 50 to 60 flights. Yeah. Um, and you got comfortable way before then, but, but yeah, it, it takes quite a bit. It's also interesting. There's some things I feel like I'm a total natural at, mm-hmm. and that was not necessarily one of them where I was uh, like, okay, this yeah. like to figure out how to like land the plane super smoothly yeah. every time. Put this uh, machine into the air. Do you, by the way, let me ask you this. So like, do you think the flight simula- simulations that you did were equal to like real life? Do they feel the same or not really? What do you mean on simulation? So I, I just like, I remember playing video games growing up. Like there's the ones where you like sit in a plane and like, you know, fly around and it moves around. Right. Um, did you sit in like a flight simulator? Uh, thing? Yeah, um, I didn't for this training, Okay. you know, other than like playing similar games as a kid. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of times, you know, there's lots of simulators that are available that are like full motion Yeah. and it can be a lot cheaper to train in that. Um, you can also like recreate the same scenario a bunch of times and without the delay. Uh, so I think that's good, but there's nothing that changes like getting in a, you know, a high performance plane and you know, when you add the throttle, like you need to control the rudders, even to keep it on the runway. Like you think, Oh, it wants to go straight by default. No, it doesn't actually doing it. It wants, you know, like, uh, you know, you have to add a huge amount of right rudder to just keep it going straight down the runway. And so I, I, I think that's a lot different than a got basic it. simulator. Yeah. Makes sense. Again, you gotta, you gotta actually do it. Um, <laughs> I, th- this actually ties in what you, you brought up the podcast tours that you were going on. Yep. So can you, t- can you talk about the the podcast that you're doing right now and then why you decided to embark on this journey? Yeah. So, uh, back in, I guess, 2020, I wrote an essay called the billion dollar creator. And the, the point of the essay is that most people, well, first an audience is the most, like one of the most powerful things in the, in the world. You know, the amount of leverage that you get from having an audience is just insane. Um, 
And so we get to people who are like, oh, I'm a content creator and I make a quarter million dollars a year. And now you and I would be like, yep, that makes sense. Yep. You know, yep. maybe 10 years ago, we'd be like, that's possible or 15 yeah. years ago. But now yeah. we're like, naturally, why, why not? We, we each know more than a hundred people personally mm -hmm. who yep. fit that criteria. But now there's this next level of people building an audience and saying like, wait a second, if I have all this attention, what's the highest ROI place I could point that? And so an example would be uh, Mark Sisson. He's a, a, a blogger. He had a paleo recipe and like lifestyle blog called Mark's Daily Apple. Uh, so in like 2013 to 2015, you know, he's growing this blog, gets to 100,000 email subscribers, which that was a very big list uh, back then. And he's making one to $2 million a year, combination of advertising, um, you know, sponsorships, his own products, affiliate revenue, like pretty traditional uh, playbook. And what happened is, you know, people were saying like, hey, I love this recipe for the like the paleo diet friendly salad dressing. But like, can I just buy it from you? Mm -hmm. You know, and so he ends up taking this, this audience that he has and goes out and he starts with an avocado oil mayonnaise and then expands to other things. And he starts a company called Primal Kitchen. And, you know, if you think about like we do Internet businesses we often don't have to outlay a lot of cash. Mm -hmm. There's no like expiration dates. On, yeah. There's no inventory yeah. expiration dates yeah. on our product. You know, like a, a, a physical products business, especially, you know, a food product is, is hard. But with his audience, he's able to, to, you know, basically kickstart it and get significant reach early on. And then he's able to do things like, you know, let's say he's trying to get distribution in Whole Foods. Then he can be talking to the buyers there and say like, hey, let's do this. And, and they're like, Oh, maybe it's a good product. Maybe not. Like we'll test it in one store. No problem. I'd love to test. Hey, by the way, which store? Right. And they're like, Oh, we're going to do it in the, this one store in Austin. He's like, cool, great. I'll check in in a couple weeks and see how it goes. And then he goes privately to his email list. Right. And says, you know, get me all the subscribers within 50 miles of this one location in Austin. And then he can email them and be like, guys, great news. Primal kitchen products. They're now in this store in whole foods. Will you do me a huge favor? and go there and buy it, mm. right? And so they do that, right? He sends out that email, maybe two emails. And then you can talk to the buyer a couple of weeks later and go, hey, by the way, uh, how'd that test go? And the, you know, the buyer is like, it went incredible. Like, you'll never believe this, but we sold out. Mark would be like, no, oh, no so way. How, how did that, that's amazing. Yeah. People must love this, yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's the power of an audience. Cause then yeah. they're like, hey, let's run it. We're gonna run it in these five stores. He's like, awesome. Yeah, let's see how it goes. By the way, uh, which stores, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and you can go and do mm -hmm. that. And it's like, wow, people in, in Boise love it just as much, yep, <laughs> you yep, know? Yep. And it's like, well, yeah, cause you sent an email to your audience to get them to do that. And so the short version of the story is Primal Kitchen sold after two years to Kraft Foods for $200 million. Wow. And so if you think about like the value created from an audience, um, you know, if you're making one to $2 million a year, selling digital products, all of that, then that is an amazing income off of an audience. You're, you know, making more than a doctor. Mm -hmm. um, but then what Mark ended up doing by redirecting that audience's attention to something that had like long-term enterprise value, yep. then he basically made a hundred years worth of value in two years. And then the other side thing is he didn't pay ordinary income on it. He paid long-term capital gains. Right. And so he kept twice as much. Yep. 
know, so I'm assuming he 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 originally he was selling like um, you know digital products, courses, or ads, e-books. things like that, yeah. right? Um, and he was doing like one to two million, and then he probably got it to I don't know, call it 30, 40 or so, and then sold it for like five x. Yeah, yeah, I don't know the specific revenue numbers. Yeah, but basically, you watch that playbook over and over again. Of you know, if you look at the Kardashians, uh, the you know at least a few years ago, the wealthiest of the Kardashians was um, Kylie Jenner. She was not the one who was the most famous. You know, everyone else was the, like a sponsored Instagram post for a million dollars, that sort of thing. But she was the first one of the family to say, "Oh, I'm going to create a brand, right?" In Kylie Cosmetics, or maybe that was his mo- her mom. <laughs> yeah, it was probably all engineered <laughs> yeah, behind yeah, the scenes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, you know, you look at that and you realize, like, oh, the the value comes from taking the audience and pointing it at a product. Yeah. That um, I mean, there's there's really three three rules to it that I talk about. Um, the first is you got to build more than a personal brand, right? Again and again, you see content creators get stuck on a personal brand and they have to build a product that's more than that. The second is you have to sell products rather than attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third is that you need to have a product that is either recurring, uh, like, you know, software, something like that, or a repeat purchase. And basically when you look at all of these examples, all three of those are always true. And so just like telling the stories, I was realizing like most creators don't get this. Mm -hmm. They have the most valuable thing in the world, which is attention. And they're pointing that attention at something that is great for short term cash flow, Mm -hmm. but doesn't build enterprise value. It's it's greater for the people that are sponsoring. Correct. Right. Just take Ryan Reynolds, for example. He realizes, wait a second, you're paying me a million dollars to do a commercial. So this has to be worth more than a million dollars to you. Right. How much more? 1.2? Two million? Four million? I don't know. Let's find out. Right? And so he goes and buys into Aviation Gin and Mint Mobile and says, like, all right, I'm gonna buy in, in a huge stake and then I'm gonna I'm now in charge of advertising. Yep. I I now basically get paid an equity value for yep. my commercials rather yep. than than cash. Aviation Gin exited for six hundred million. Mint Mobile for $1.2 billion. You know, The funny story about that one is um, one of the Mint Mobile founders was in my EO form back in the day when I was an EO, and um, Ryan ended up having more equity than him. I, I believe <laughs> it's, it. It's, it's crazy how that works out, but continue. Yeah, but just looking at that, like you're seeing it over and over again. We can talk about celebrities. We can talk about individual bloggers like Mark Sisson, but the principles are the same, right? Like in building ConvertKit, that is my billion-dollar creator playbook, right, where... I can sell digital products, courses. I know how to build that to a million dollars a year, mm-hmm. right? But over the last 10 years, I've built ConvertKit to being worth over 300 million because it's something that has long-term enterprise value. It's more than a personal brand. We're selling products rather than attention, and we have recurring revenue built in. Right. And so that's something that's you know yeah. will last for decades. Yeah. We talk a lot about this on the Marketing School podcast. It's just like I... I used to hate agencies as a business. I was like, it's not scalable. It's, it's, it's just a lot of people, blah, blah, blah. It's like every business is people, right? But it just makes sense naturally for, for both of us because we talk about marketing all the time that we just drive it to like a high LTV service in the back end, right? And you just hire amazing people that have been there, done that, and you scale it because some of the biggest companies in the world are services businesses. Right. I was the same way where I, I thought agencies were a terrible business. You know, and I would resist that for the longest time. I'm like, no, 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 we sell software. We yeah. don't do. Yeah. We don't, you know, yeah. like, from we're in tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm a Silicon Valley guy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know? And turns out agencies, when run by the right people, yeah. in the right way, with the right lead gen, can be amazing businesses. We did that. I have a, a newsletter growth agency with Sahil Bloom mm. uh, called Paperboy. 
that that we launched, we hired a great operator um, yeah. and brought him as a co-founder, yeah. uh, Shane. And you know, we basically realized, you know, we have this incredible deal flow for people who want to grow their newsletters. Yeah. And I think we're 11 months in, and we're at $750,000 a year run rate. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, oh. And you have these amazing outcomes. People are just saying like, oh, you know, I took my newsletter growth from, you know, it was th- like 2% monthly growth, and now it's 10% monthly growth. Right. And it created this whole outcome for me. And I'm like, yeah. this is good. <laughs> yeah, well, I want to come back to that in a second. There's this whole like, you know, um, almost creator-led agencies, and then there's creator operators, and they're just pure creators, right? But then yeah. w- one thing that you talked about was um, monetization for creators. So what is the best way for creators to monetize in today's day and age? It depends on what your goals are. Uh, I would say if the goal is short-term cash flow, which is a great goal because that enables so many things, then I think digital products are, are still the absolute best way to go. Because you can have, you can end up with a, a really high revenue per subscriber, especially if you have a product ladder, you know, where maybe initially someone's buying an ebook from you or something. You're just getting in the habit of, hey, I made a purchase and that was really good. You know, I, I, I spent 30 bucks and I felt like I got hundreds of dollars worth of value. Like, I should keep spending with this person. And then as you get into the courses, um, you know, now you can sell a course for 300 to $3,000. And the margins on that are just so, so good. Um, I think that's fantastic. People are doing really well with advertising right now, um, especially if you have a newsletter that's really engaged. Uh, if people, you know, if you have a more stale list, uh, people aren't that excited about your content, then advertising doesn't work as well. But the, the hyper-engaged list, fast-growing, um, do well. So those are probably the big ones, but I always encourage people once it, once you have cash flow figured out, if you think in these ways, I always think in terms of how do I like what's the highest ROI return on leverage. Yeah. 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 Um, then you have to direct it towards a real business that could be an agency. I would make sure it's an agency that has recurring revenue. Mm-hmm. None of this one-off project nonsense. Like I won't touch a business unless it's at least repeat purchases but ideally recurring revenue. Um, you, know, you know, so an agency, a products company, um, uh, there's this woman named Susie Bullock who she has a, a uh, barbecue blog called Hey Grill Hey. Mm. And she got to the point about two million, two and a half million dollars a year in uh, revenue. Yeah. You know, all the traditional stuff that you'd expect, right? Affiliate deals, sponsorships, her own products. But now she's launched her own line of barbecue sauces and she's gotten distribution. She's following the exact same playbook that Mark uh, Sisson did. Yeah. And I'm like, there we go. That's a business that, you know, in five years she'll sell for a hundred million dollars. Yeah. And so I think that balance of short-term cash flow and also building long-term equity, it means you don't have to do the startup grind of like, you know, eat ramen for five years. (laughs) You know, it's like, wait, I can live a great life off of my million dollar a year content business and, you know, grow this business at the same time that has real enterprise value. Yeah. You can use it as a launch pad to build something that to your point has enterprise value. And, uh, yesterday before we started the the morning workout, we're just talking about how, 
sure, you know, you raise VC, like you can talk about that big exit, but why don't you just build something where you can have an exit every single year where you're doing 10, 20, 30 million in profit. And then that's your exit every single year. Right. Most people won't ever get a creator business to that level of profit. Mm -hmm. And so I think if, yeah, it's just not, it's not common. So if someone is truly targeting like, Hey, I want to retire with 25 I want to retire young with 25 to $50 million in the bank. It's going to have to come from um, building a product business of some kind and exiting it. Yeah. And then just letting it compound over time. Yeah. And then you're there. Okay. There are, you would know better than I would, like on the agency side, right? Mm-hmm. There's obviously a lot of agencies that do cash flow, yeah. you know, $5 million, $25 million a yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's probably more the exception than the rule. Yeah, those are few and far between, but they do exist. Yeah, (laughs) they do exist. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.